Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome back to episode 296 of Sexology podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali, and I'm super excited that you are joining us today. If you are a new listener, welcome. I have a gift for you. A few months ago, I curated a list of my favorite foreplay ideas that you can implement today to spice your relationship up. Because many times what I hear from couples in long-term relationship is that they're just tired of a routine that they have, but they just don't want to invest on something drastic, like a drastic change. They just want to spice things up a little bit. So you can download our list and kind of see what you think about some of these suggestions. This is a list I curated after talking to hundreds of couples who had wonderful, spicy sexual experiences together after a couple decades or more. As I mentioned today, we're going to talk about intimacy. My guest today is Mary Jo Rapini. Mary Jo talks about different types of intimacy. What's interesting is when we when you say intimacy, most often people think about sex, sexual intimacy, or there are a subtype of subcategory of people they think about emotional intimacy. But today we're going to talk about all the different types of intimacy that's out there and how you can use this knowledge to strengthen your relationship. Because you guys know I'm all about actionable tips. We're going to talk about what what does it mean to be intimate with someone. We're going to talk about the difference between intimacy and sex and different types of intimacy. As I mentioned, our guest today is Mary Jo Rapini. Mary Jo is a psychotherapist specializing in intimacy, sex, and relationships. She lives in Houston, Texas, and maintains a private practice as a relationship intimacy sex psychotherapist. Rapini is a renowned lecturer author and television personality. She's been featured in so many different shows, including CNN Prime News, CBS, Fox National Morning, Steve Harvey, so many different shows. And she has her own YouTube channel. So definitely check it out. She's the author of Is God Pink? Dying to Heal and co-author of Star Talking, A Girl's Guide for You and Your Mom About Health, Sex, or Whatever, and Recoupling a Couple four-step guide to greater intimacy and better sex. She has a very impressive bio, so make sure you are checking out her full bio in the show notes. Before going to the interview today, I want to thank our sponsor, Cozy Earth. They create one of the most comfortable and soft sheets that I ever slept in. It's like sleeping on a cloud. They are so generous. They offer the 40% discount to our listeners. So if you are interested to try their sheets, make sure you are using our promo code Sexology to get 40% off. You can find the link on how to enter the promo code in the show notes. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Mary Jo Rapini. 
Hello and welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to invite Mary Jo to our show. Welcome to our show, Mary Jo. How are you doing? I'm doing great and thank you for having me. This is such a delight and honor on my part. So really glad to help out. Well, I'm very grateful. I was just sharing with you before we started this conversation and I saw the video you did on the concept of intimacy. I have shared it with my clients and it resonated so well with them. So for our listeners, if they are, they want to get deeper on some of the concepts we're talking about, you have an active YouTube show that they can go and check out the videos. Again, the videos are fantastic. I know one of the things that you talk about a lot is the difference between intimacy and sex. So tell us more about that. Well, I think it's one of the things that I see a lot of couples get frustrated with because there's a there's a stereotype that all men want sex and you know women basically want emotional intimacy but as I'm working with couples I see clearly that what we really want is to feel connected with another human we want that most intimate soulful type of connection and although men usually achieve that more likely with physical sex Women seem to desire the emotional closeness first before they can be vulnerable and trust the person. And in a sense, it makes sense biologically because women are hosting, if you will. Women allow the man to come into their body, which is a whole nother step of intense intimacy if you think about it. So I think it's very important that both men and women really work on the concept of how do we connect And there's more than one way to connect, which is why talking about the six ways that we build intimacy is so important. I agree with you. And what I see a lot with my clients is that when the kind of the relationship become less sexual, that aspect of the relationship become less pronounced and then the couples lose the other types of intimacy and that that impacts the relationship. I know you even differentiate between physical intimacy and sexual intimacy, which is very, very important. And again, I, I love that you're kind of like talking about intimacy as something that's an umbrella term that sex can be one of them. Well, tell us what are some of these different types of intimacy that we are referring to? Well, you know, for example, Nas, there's a, there's a sharing experiences intimacy. There's an emotional intimacy. There's an intimacy built around spirituality, around intellectual intimacy, which is one of the main ones I have with my partner. There's a, you know, new experiences intimacy. And then, of course, there's a physical intimacy, the touching, the cuddling, the holding hands, the, you know, the presence of each other. And lastly is the actual intimacy that involves intercourse and the true coming of bodies together. I know, as you mentioned, for many of the heterosexual cisgender couples that I see in my practice, if they, like the female partner, if they don't feel connected, emotional with the partner, sometimes they don't want to have sex. I know there's a group of people, they weaponize sex, but not even that, right? There are galaxies of people feeling that, okay, if I'm not 
feeling seen, validated by my partner. I don't want to be sexual with them. And one thing I've noticed a lot is that's not something that unfortunately society, what we teach men, like they socialize to not emotional emotion. And in even our therapy session, it's really hard for them to access that part of themselves. I wonder if that's something that you are seeing as well. And what are some of the suggestions you have for men who are struggling with that or women? Right. Well, I think one of the big problems for men is we've socialized them so that it's so difficult for men to be vulnerable. And so what men do, because they're timid about it and they don't know If it's a trustworthy place to do that, I think men right away rush to sex to secure the relationship where they don't understand that if they delayed sex and put more focus on building the friendship, like how do you build a friendship? Will you build it by being present? by standing up, by if you give your word, you you are there for them. You uh, If they cry, you comfort them or you stay with them. You don't try to fix them. And then things like just being attentive and interested in your partner. I think there's so many distractions for men, especially. I think they're there for women too, but I think women have been socialized more to focus on relationships and to to care for each other and nurture each other. And that's not always, that's not always clear to men how they do that. Many men will try to win the woman by showing off or by doing things that seem adventurous or risk-taking. And, you know, they're, they're assuming this will impress the woman, but very few men are comfortable being curious and understanding that every woman is different and what worked in the past may not work this time. You mentioned so many great points, kind of going back to the socialization of men. I agree with you. I think that the idea is like at least more older version of the messaging that many men receive was that showing emotion is weakness. Like you don't want to show your emotions. You must show tough. And that relationship at times can be disconnecting. If we are struggling this at this moment and you're disconnected, you're not showing vulnerability, that can be damaging for the relationship. The other part of it is also is that they feel like their strength, at least the one of the clients I've seen in my practice, the strength is on problem solving. So you're telling me what's wrong and I'm bringing in my strength. That's that's giving solutions. But as you mentioned at times, that at times creates a rupture because most people want to be feeling heard. And if you rush in giving solutions, they feel that you're closing the conversation. That's right. And I think a lot of it is, you know, I work with the your with the urology department at Baylor Hospital and Clinic. And so what I've learned, you know, and I work, when you work in urology, you see mostly men. These are the effects of testosterone. And I think testosterone makes men focus and it makes them problem solve. So some of this is biological. And I think it would be so, so wonderful if women didn't take these things personally, but yet they were able to say, you know, I, I get it. Like, You know, my estrogen makes me want to act in a certain way, but I'm telling you that when you act in this way, 
I think it, I think it has a negative effect on the relationship and what I would rather you do. Women get angry with their partner, but they don't take, they don't stop and, and allow themselves to pause and then to come back and tell their partner directly what they do want. Because I think a lot of times relationships are miscommunicating. And when one person says, I want you to be with me when I have a problem, I want to talk to you. If he doesn't know that he's not on stage to solve the problem, he's going to jump in and try to solve it. And I love that you kind of like put it on. This is a kind of more of a broader issue. It's not about the specific person part of it is kind of like socialization part of it is innate so if you're looking at it that's like a language that you're learning then perhaps we can adjust it for our partner so we will have a more of a a successful relationship and it's my experience that when you have an awareness some of these skills are learned so as you mentioned talking to your partner about it how would you like me to be with you in this situation absolutely and You know, I think that's part of the work of couples. Too many times we react. You know, it's easy when you're in love with someone to assume what they do that's annoying is part of, you know, it's just them. But the truth is, if you were to date two men, you would see a lot of similarities because some things are just innate with the gender. And this is true for women, too. There are some things that biochemically we we have to we have to take the initiative to try and change about the way we communicate it. Absolutely. And again, communicating in a way that your partner also is able to receive it. What I've noticed in my own relationship and my own marriage is that we like a temperature of our communication and kind of like interaction with my family is 10 times more intense than what my husband grew up with. Yes. So if I want, I want him to be able to be part of our kind of like emotional intimacy at times, I have to work on regulating the emotion. It doesn't mean like my emotion, there's anything wrong with my emotion. It's a matter of if I want him to be able to be present and I'm within his uh, window of tolerance. I think it's important to be able to kind of like work on yourself and regulate. At least that's been helpful for me. That's really good insight. I think we could communicate so much better if we all just would practice what you just said, Dr. Nas. I I really think that would make a big difference. The other thing that you mentioned in the video that was amazing was intellectual intimacy. Like we often don't think about it. And Mm -hmm. couples have so many different interests. Again, it could be a wonderful opportunity for intellectual conversation, but some of those differences can be very charged. So tell us a little bit about that. How can we navigate that? And what is intellectual intimacy? Intellectual intimacy is when you're able to share with your partner the things that really turn you on that are, are are of an intellectual sort. Like, let's say in my field, when I read a new study, I enjoy talking to my hubby about that. We make our dates about that. And he's in medicine. And because he has new drugs coming out and new, you know, new diagnosis for old diseases. This is what really attracted me to him. I Every day he was interested in something new. And so when couples are able to align on that, maybe you're interested in how different countries 
maybe poorer countries or third world countries are getting their water. And maybe when you share that with your partner, you can even take that to the next level. Like, let's go volunteer there and and understand how they get their clean water. Because now that is something that is going to save millions of lives. And yet when you share it with somebody it gives you the novelty. It gives you something to talk about. And it's another connector. Like we do this together. We feel more connected. And what a beautiful way for you to build legacy. And it could be all for different forms of doing things that you feel passionate about. And sometimes even seeing your partner in those contexts can awaken sexual interests and kind of awaken the sexual intimacy piece as well. At least I think that's, that's something that shows up for me. But I think it's wonderful to think about it. What if our partner is there are aspects of them kind of intellectually, whether it's the religious beliefs or political beliefs, that's very different in us. How can we manage that? Right. Well, I think when, you know, the intellectual part is separate, there is a spiritual intimacy. And that's usually when, when you're aligned with someone, you're attracted to what, what they feel or what they hold spiritual. What happens with a lot of couples is, if you begin, you know, you you admire your partner and what they believe in. Let's say they're a traditional religion and they practice it. They actually pray during the day and you see their devotion like you had referred to with the intellectual Nas. It makes you more sexually attracted to them because that devotion, that loyalty is going to show up in this person as a human being, and you're going to experience that in your relationship with them. I think most couples that I know of that are really tight, there are some values that they, that they basically, they don't get together if they're on opposite ends. And one of those values is political. Now, I have known some couples have trouble when they're different political ideations and then the whoever's representing them. And I saw that a lot in the states with the Democrats and the Republicans. There was a lot of conflict over that because what happens is because this is your intimate partner, when they don't agree with you politically, you'll oftentimes start attributing to everything about what they believe in to their party. And if they have terrible representation of their party or people are saying really negative things, you will hear that or assume your partner feels that way. So once again, communication is everything because you don't want to start having conflict and fights over judgments or assumptions because judgments are not part of intimacy. I like that. And I, I, I bet many of our colleagues also decide, they saw the same, same pattern. I know that before, before like recent experiences that there are like lots of couples that they know they had different political affiliation and that wasn't like it was a kind of historically our family was kind of like affiliated with this party or the other part of person with the other party. But it wasn't as emotionally charged. And I think because of the, what has, what has unfolded in last several years, then it became more emotionally charged. And there's a part of us when it gets scared, our animal brain gets awakened and we're looking for a quick solution. But I wonder then if you have a strength in other form of intimacy, for example, if you have strong emotional intimacy, a strong physical intimacy or sexual intimacy, that can help you to remain open. 
do you see how do you often see how these different types of intimacy kind of play together? Oh, absolutely. So I love what you just said, Doctor Nas, because it tells you it tells who is ever listening that the reason you want to explore and try other forms of intimacy is you're building you're building a tapestry. So the more the more strings you have. That align the stronger whatever the rug is, or the artwork, or anything that's being held together. In this case, it's the relationship you're creating. So you want to have more than the physical intimacy. You want more than the emotional intimacy. You want more than the intellectual intimacy because when you have a problem, whether it's in the spiritual kind or you disagree on ideations of values, then then those things are not as detrimental to your relationship. When you do have a conflict about it, you're more likely to resolve it because you have all these other parts of your tapestry that are solid and woven t- tightly. The, the most vulnerable of all the intimacies is the sexual one. And the reason it's the most vulnerable is because it is the least stable. Couples that, that have only sexual intimacy are never, they're superficial. So they can never deepen with the, as the spiritual and emotional ones do. And people, partners of just the sexual intimacy will oftentimes tell me, I feel so lonely. I feel used. I feel like they don't love me. They just want sex with my body. It's not, there's nothing here holding us together. It's like building your house on a bad foundation, which is why myself, as well as other intimacy sex therapists, often will tell our clients, you need to delay sex until you have at least three or four of these other intimacies in place. But also, I was thinking about as you were mentioning all of this wonderful point was about sometimes it portrays as only sex, but that's for us. We learn, socialize, and how kind of like you communicate our emotion through sex, right? How we communicate our physical intimacy through sex. So sometimes people come to my office, and I would imagine that's the case for you that my partner only wants to have sex with me. They only think that their partner wants sexual intimacy, but that the what the partner tried to communicate is that that's like their emotional way of expressing emotional intimacy and physical intimacy. But that's why I also think it's helpful to have different language for it and kind of examine it in a kind of different ways, but connect it. One thing that I often see that it, it gets really impacted when the relationship is sexless or there are sexual challenges is physical intimacy. The couples, when there are challenges in sex, they avoid touching each other. A, sometimes they say, I don't want my partner to get a wrong idea. I don't want to have sex for any reason. And if I touch them, they feel like I'm initiating. Or the other part is that the partner feels that uh, I'm connecting with them because I want to compromise for lack of sex. So there's so many different ways it it shows up. So tell us how physical intimacy is different than sexual intimacy. Well, I think the way that physical intimacy is different than sex is because physical is the expression of of basically touch. It's it's all about touch. Like if a couple has, let's say one person is having chemo, then during that time sex is oftentimes painful because 
the the mucus isn't like it's not lubricating you're very dry you're tired your skin is irritated but if your partner will hold your hand and they've done studies on this it's almost like taking a vitamin like it's restorative whereas sexual intimacy is a passion there's usually there's more motion with it there's more drive it's got more of more of our rudimentary you know roots if you will like it's intimate it, but yet at the same time it is so natural it's innate it's wired into us and the perfect situation is when you have both you have the emotional the physical and the sexual the sexual cannot cannot sustain a marriage if there's not physical if there's not touching and there's not emotional the sexual alone cannot make it in a normal relationship the sexual intimacy is about 10% of the conversation the couple has if something happens to the sexual intimacy in other words one person can't perform or one person so resentful that they can't they can't get erect if they're a guy they can't lubricate if they're a woman then the whole relationship becomes about sex and the lack of it so it has an incredible influence on the couple but at the same time if you have the other types of intimacy very strongly woven the relationship will sustain without sex because after you have a baby for example you can't have sex for a while it doesn't feel good and you're not supposed to if you have a disease like cancer or an autoimmune disease many times you cannot have sex doesn't mean those couples marriages are failing as long as they are touching and they're intimate with emotional and they share some of these other forms they're going to be okay and i don't know nas you probably experience this with your clients as well absolutely i think one thing that's important for people to think about is that how are we even defining sex because if you're thinking sex is vaginal penile penetration it's always needs to be a certain way then i guarantee you there will be a time if you're in a long term relationship with your partner for a number of different reasons that's not going to work and and if that's your only definition of sex, you are setting yourself for failure and disconnection because I work with lots of couples in long-term relationship. For them, sex, one of the meaning that sex has is connection, remaining connected with your partner. And you don't necessarily need intercourse, like rational intercourse to experience that. But I also can, I've seen so many couples that when their partner were not interested about kind of like having sex with them or not interested in sex, period, they personalize it. They feel rejected. It becomes very painful and they don't even want to kind of consider other form of intimacy because they feel like you, you, you don't want me. Why would I want to open myself emotionally to you? Because there is an element of trust with kind of with also source of intimacy. So tell us for couples that they are disconnected sexually and physically. They haven't been having those connecting experiences in last, I would 
would say like a couple years, what are some of the places they can start rekindling that physical intimacy? Well, I think one of the oldest practices of rekindling and one that I still use with my cancer patients and some of my patients who have chronic illness is the sensate focus. And that's strictly when, you know, you take it very slow. One session, I mean, you do this on your own. The couple is instructed, but you can lie on the bed together and just have, you know, be loosely clothed if that feels good and allow each other to touch. You just touch your partner. You find out what feels good. You're asking for a lot of feedback. You're initiating. Both of you are initiating. You take turns. And then the next time you have sex and you move very slowly, you do that first step for like two weeks. Then the next two weeks, you may take off your top or your bottom, whatever, you know, you have felt, you know, maybe awkward about in the past. And once again, you begin touching each other. And once again, you're asking for feedback from your partner. And during this time, it's very intimate. There's not distractions. You're in a, you know, low lit bedroom, perhaps, and good music, soft, soothing signs, sounds. You can be drinking a refreshment if that makes you feel better. You can even take like a bubble bath or something like that. I'm Italian and the Italians always make fun of the Americans because they say those Americans, they think sex is all, they use a dirty word, but basically they're saying they think sex is penetration. But sex is the way you eat together. It's the way you dress, dancing without clothes on in the evening with no other sex or penetration. To an Italian, what they're saying, that's sexual. That's intimate. That's that's being bare against your partner. And I love that. I mean, I think that's romantic and lovely. But for some people, they're in such a hurry to penetrate, to, to like claim this person that it's very important couples, you know, go slow with this. And they talk about it because sex is very powerful. It has the power to build up or to destroy. And it's up to the couple in how that's going to affect their relationship. Well, Mary Jo, you, you brought up so many great points. One thing that was very important that, that's about kind of like building anticipation and excitement. And I know one of the challenges that many couples have is they want to rush to intercourse for a number of different reasons. Maybe you have limited time. Maybe you're scared of losing an erection or kind of like uh, any kind of arousal. So all sorts of challenges. But the issue is that you are rubbing yourself and your partner most of the time of this very exciting experience if you're not investing in building up and that connection and uh, that sensual element of it. And I think that going back to sensate focus, one of the things I, I love about it is people can go as slow as they want. And yeah. what I learned at times is for some couples, they haven't connected for years, even phase one of it, laying in bed feels very uncomfortable. So I learned that sometimes you have to start from kind of like holding your hand, a partner's hand during a movie, like side by side, maybe you are at that place. But it's just a matter of kind of starting versus kind of like trying to looking for a quick fix. That's right. And I think, Nas, that what I've seen a lot is it's a season. You know, people don't want to feel awkward about sex, but 
if you think about the whole season of your life, there's nothing wrong with being awkward. Being awkward is your body's way of saying, I feel out of touch. I feel like I'm inadequate or maybe a failure. And I, I've seen where couples are talking about what awkward feels like to them. And they actually start validating each other and coming together and connecting because usually if one person feels awkward, the other one does too. I mean, this rarely happens in a vacuum when you're with another person. Absolutely. And kind of like thinking about what are some of the places as our strength that you can build on that or use to be our strength. I think it's really important to focus on because all of these different intimacy types are like, if I would imagine it's normal for couples to be stronger in one area than the other. And mm-hmm. it's important to kind of continue invest on the areas that's stronger for you and have those connecting moments. So it gives Gives you more money in a relationship bank to kind of work through some of the places that's that started to becoming problematic. Yes, I think so too. And I, you know, like with if you want to build any area of intimacy, the first thing is to talk to your partner and kind of help them identify where your, you know, where you feel like your relationship is weak. Is it weak on new experiences? Is it weak on the intellectual form? Is it weak on the spiritual form, on the emotional form? And, you know, I'm not trying to sell it, but I do have a homework assignment on my YouTube to $1.99. And basically, you can download it. And it has all these questions. You just download one, and then you can share it. You could print it and share it with your partner and see see where your partner feels the relationship is not as strong as it could be. And then from there, there's actually examples of, you know, to get new experiences, let's try a new coffee shop, let's try a new thing to do instead of going to dinner and a movie on a Friday night, you know, what are, and and let's take turns initiating that where we're going to go. I like that. And I invite people to check out that resource. So tell us if people are interested about your content, we already talked a little bit about the YouTube channel that you have. What are some of the places that they can find you? Well, thanks for asking us. The easiest one is to go to my website. It's maryjoerapini.com. And they can come in through a portal and they can ask me anything. It goes to my email then, which is really nice for me because I travel a lot. Or they can, you know, make a comment on the YouTube channel. But that I don't always see. So I think the other thing is Instagram. And I know you have a huge platform and I just became a follower because I hadn't, I've seen a couple of your podcasts, but I had never seen you on Instagram. So Instagram for me, my handle is my name, Mary Jo Rapini. And I, I will, if you direct message, I will see it and answer it. Beautiful. I make sure that those links are in the show notes. I'm glad that now we're connected in Instagram yeah. and I saw that you have wonderful fun tips for people, kind of quick tips on, okay, how can I address this or learning opportunities? So I think it's it's wonderful for people to check that out. And thank you so much for coming on this show. Thank you so much for being so generous with all of this great information. And hopefully we're going to have you back in the show in future. Thank you very much. I love being with you, Dr. Moby. Thank you.
I hope you guys found our conversation meaningful. It was the first time that I heard from someone talking about all different types of sexual intimacy. I've looked at Mary Jo's Instagram and YouTube and she has tons of great content. And I thought it was very wonderful that she talked about different ways that you can connect with your partner. I'm kind of curious, what do you think about sex being 10% of sexual intimacy being 10% of the relationship? Do you think is it more or less? You can DM me on Instagram and let, let me know my Instagram ID is at Sexology Podcast. Before we close the show, I wanted to take a minute and thank our sponsor, Cozy Earth. I love their product. It's just so comfortable. I have their sheet and their PJ. The sheets they sent me so I can experiment with it and I fell in love with it and I got a couple more. But PJ, their PJ is something I bought for myself and I love it. You know, during quarantine, we all live in our PJ. And as soon as I finish with my clinical day, I jump into my cozy earth PJ. They're just so soft. And what I like about it is I think I've been wearing their PJ for last three months, at least four nights per week. And as many times as I wash it, the color doesn't change. And a fun fact about their product that they have 10-year warranty on all products. I never thought that's even an option that you can send back the sheets or PJs, but that's something that they offer. So if you want to try their PJ, if you want to try their sheets, make sure you are using our promo code SEXOLOGY to get 40% off of all their products and show us some support. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. I cannot wait until next week. Same time, same place. Take a good care. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.